Welcome to the Cinematic Pursuit, hosted by Steve and Matt. Available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Produced by Matt Bauer and Steve Craig. Music from freemusicarchive.com. For press opportunities, advertising inquiries, and information on the cinematic pursuit, contact cinemansteve at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the Cinemanic Pursuit. We talk to filmmakers about their journey and the obstacles they overcome to get where they are today. For episode one, we talked to Yadidya Gorsedman, who had just released his second feature film, Empathy Inc., a film Variety calls an ingenious sci-fi thriller. Yadidya, or Jed, explains what it's like to be stuck in what we call post-production purgatory, where the movie's not quite finished, it's on a couple different edits, but the money's almost completely gone. Not only does he get over this, but he learns to embrace and appreciate that part of filmmaking, where cuts are sometimes needed in order to tell a stronger story. He tells us all this and more. So take us back to where it all began when you first decided that this was worth the grind for you to make it in the film biz. That's a great question. I don't know if I ever would have done it if I knew about the grind. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, no, I mean, but I, I mean, I really love it. But okay, it really started. I mean, first of all, I've always been into films. I was always like, obsessed. I, you know, during high school, I try to watch like a movie a day. And it really started during college. I went to school, they, they didn't have any film classes or anything like that. The closest thing they had was a playwriting course. And I really loved it. And a friend of mine from grade school, we had kind of known each other since the fifth grade. His name was Josh Itzkowitz. And basically, we just were kind of uh, talking about wanting to get into film and not figuring out a way to do it. He, he had taken some classes um, at UMass. So we were kind of just trying to say, like, how do you get into this? You know, and Josh had this kind of uh, ambitious idea where he said, you know, the way that we should get into it is we should make commercials. And then we'll get really, we'll get good at commercials, and then we'll, we'll make a film. He was kind of like a little bit ahead of the game in terms of like, he, he had gone to at least a couple festivals. Uh, oh, I remember he had made a little short documentary in school, and it had gotten into a couple festivals. So he knew that like people were making films for low budgets. At the time, I, I didn't know. I just thought people made films for big budgets, you know? So we went on this bike ride down the West Side uh, Highway in Manhattan. We were just kind of talking, like, what do we want to do after school? We really want to get into film. What, what can we do? And he had kind of pitched this idea. We, we didn't know anything. So we were like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And it's like funny to think that like two college kids are like have such a kind of uh, really clueless on how things work, where we just thought, okay, we'll make commercials, we'll make a bunch of money, and we'll make movies. The first kind of real commercial that we got was $2,500. We would just get a little bit of money and we'd spend it all on the commercial and just try to learn as much as we could. So that $2,500 maybe took us six weeks, two months to make a commercial. And we would just kind of take our time and figure out how to make it funny. I mean, we were really just trying to make things entertaining. After a couple months of doing work for a couple hundred dollars, we'd get like $5,000. And then, you know, we'd make that commercial. And then a couple more months of doing stuff for like very little. What happened was we had made a commercial for this glove company. It was our biggest amount. He paid us $10,000. We made it and, you know, it was okay. It was, it was everything that we agreed to. And he had said at the end, you know, okay, I love it, but can I have this character say these lines? And we were like, well, we'd have to reshoot it. Like, that's actually pretty complicated. It was like half a page, you know, or a page of rewrites. And uh, he said, okay, well, how much would it cost to, to redo it? So he said, well, $10,000. And he's like, okay, so just redo it then. 
So like within like a very short amount of time, we were like, oh my God, we're rich. And <laughs> so that, that's what like, this is really not going to happen again. So that that's what kind of gave us the confidence to move forward. Obviously from the commercials, you learned how to prepare, which I think is such a huge thing. It's something that a lot of first time filmmakers overlook, you know, in terms of how much goes in to the uh, pre-production and the preparation of a film before diving into it. Uh, so it seems like going into Jammed, you at least had that, which I think is such a huge thing. But then what is the difference now going into a feature film? What is this new bear that you had to tackle? I think the big thing to tackle in a feature, and it was something we certainly learned on Jammed, by, by, no, by no means were we experts at all, but we really learned to structure. Um, you know, when you're, when you're writing a small thing, you can get away with like little jokes that, you know, you know in, in a two minute sketch or whatever it is, um, you know, really just are fine. They're entertaining. But when, when, when you're like 10 minutes in or 15 minutes into a movie and it hasn't developed a story, it becomes very taxing and structure, story structure, um, it just became really important to us. We were like, we need to figure this. We want to figure this out. The movies we like have a lot of structure. And, uh, so we just, um, we, at the time, by the way, we were watching a lot of Duplass films, the Duplass brothers. And we, you know, we saw the puppy chair. We saw, um, that other one that they did, um, the decathlon one, um, which was my favorite. I mean, we love them. And that was really something that they took very seriously. I mean, if you watch a couple of their films, you really get, get a sense of, uh, uh, that they that they have a lot of uh, they've spent a lot of time trying to structure this and even though they don't kind of write scripts or at least at the time they didn't really write formal scripts that they had such uh, you know clear um, narrative and clear like okay this is when the character is going to encounter this problem and this is what's going to happen then um, so we kind of I saw that and and I think anybody who you know studies films in the span of that w would see it. And we, we saw it and we, we decided that that's how we're going to differentiate ourselves. That's how we can really, we think we can make something that people are going to want to see. Um, and so, you know, on Jam, that was the strategy. We didn't, I don't, you know, I think there was, there was still a lot of uh, error in that strategy. But definitely when we were in, in editing and we were um, going to festivals and seeing how it played with, 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 you know, in theaters, that's when it really started to crystallize. And it really started to be, okay, this, this is, this we need to, we want to nail this. This is something that we really want to focus on. After that, we, we had basically said, you know, let's take a step back um, from, from really making films and let's just try to become writers. I think that was the big lesson. And um, so for, for about um, a year after that, we had just, um, you know, we, had, we would get, uh, you know, little jobs, things like that uh, here and there just to kind of stay, stay afloat um, and pay bills. But, um, but we, basically we had, we had just decided to write and we written over the course of a year about two or three scripts where we really started to hone our skills. And I think that's when we actually started to really um, start to develop uh, as, as creators. Um, and, that, and that's kind of what led us to, to empathy, which is kind of what we consider a very story rich uh, film. When you're writing, since, since you brought up the Duplass brothers, that's something that gets brought up probably in all of our interviews, I think. And the reason yeah. being that their, their tactic is to write based on um, what's accessible to them what, based on their specific resources. Is that something that you have in mind writing your scripts? Yeah, definitely. I, I will say, by the way, I completely left out our, our third partner, Mark Leidner, who's, our, who's really our writer. Um, uh -huh. But uh, he, he had kind of, when we were making Jammed, he had, he had come and then that was, you know, he was a really big part of the conversation. Um, but, um, and, and the force of this strategy that we were pushing. Um, so I didn't mean to leave him out at all. But um, yeah, I think that that was always something that Mark also had, had always felt strongly about. He had felt that 
the really the successes were the people who 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 decided that they weren't going to take on issues that they really didn't understand or that they weren't close to because just the the room for error it was so you know your chances of of messing up were so high that we had to think of things that 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 bothered us you know things things that we had experienced you know breakups uh, um, you know family conflicts things like that we had to kind of really push those and and I think not that doesn't mean that we had to make dramas or or that we had to you know not take on kind of high concept stories but it was more like we had to lean into those and I think that's actually something in empathy a lot of the conflicts are are interpersonal that they're family uh, you know focused and th that's kind of a product I think of thinking that way of forcing to think that way so and I, I like that answer but let me go back because um, specifically are you writing based on when, when you're writing are you keeping in mind res like physical resources in terms of locations who you have access to are you writing within those confines of what you yeah. have access to yeah so jammed was very much that we we had known that we had had access to this to this music festival and and we knew that we were going to be able to shoot there and shoot people and not get all the waivers things like that we had access to the music as well so we were we were really trying to um sculpt that narrative around around that what can we do at a festival that was kind of the big fun thing about that um and uh for empathy it was a little bit different i think we felt okay what are what are areas that are just going to be easy for us to get you know we we didn't have a, access to a house but we knew someone's parent would let us, you know, someone's grandparent would let us shoot in their house. So, you know, that was like, uh, okay, that's, that's, an, that's okay. We can, we can have stories that take place there. Um, you know, okay, we'll get a warehouse. What well, we have, you know, we can do that. We, um, so, you know, empathy's story takes place in a lot of like very accessible locations, things that would, I think, be accessible to a lot of people. Um, but we didn't, we didn't know, oh, we're going to shoot in this house or, oh, we're going to use this car. It was more just like, we just want to use things that we that are going to be easy for when people get together. We can say, you know, okay, does anybody have access to this? Yes, no, you know, and and are these things also easily swappable? Like if we don't get, you know, we we didn't write anything in a way that it would we would need a certain type of house. Um, very few things required specifics about the location. They were pretty vague, so that was kind of our our compass there. When it came to like the style and aesthetic, like such as like going black and white and like choosing to go into POVs, like do sometimes is that does the production limitations inspire that, or does that also become introduced when you want to kind of like portray a certain aspect of the story that you're going for with it? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, with with black and white, I will say this: it was something that we thought for, from the very beginning. Um, we had we had done tests, kind of just film tests. Um, after Jammed, we had done some film tests that we, we there was a script that we thought we could make. We ended up not being able to do it, and we had done some tests and we had tested black and white. And we just thought at the time, and we, it was like we were testing on our iPhone, um, and we were like, just we really liked it. We were just like, oh, it kind of just makes it not look like an iPhone. It kind of makes it look like something unique. So we had kind of sorted that in the back of our mind. And then we were making, we were talking about empathy. We saw it really as a noir. And we thought there was this fun, you know, uh, kind of detective elements to it. And, and um, you know, it just felt like a lot of things we were watching. And uh, these old noirs that we were watching. And so we, we had kind of talked about, hey, wouldn't it be kind of cool to, to shoot it in black and white? And there'd be all these benefits. You know, you'd have this, I mean, it, you'd have all these associations, you know, with movies like Pie or, or Following, things like that, that, that we were just huge fans of. And uh, but also, you know, it, it would be a, a kind of commentary on, on the feeling that we're, we're trying to create. So we, we had even in the writing stages had spoken about that. 
And then when we had done kind of more tests and we, we weren't, you know, we, we weren't sold on the idea yet, but as we were doing more tests, we also just saw how easy it was, uh, how many production uh, things, elements it would solve. You know, we didn't have to worry about uh, different color temperatures and the lights. So we could get, you know, lights from Home Depot. We wouldn't have to rent from like, you know, some of these rental houses, these very expensive lights. Uh, we could just go to Home Depot, you know, um, buy it for $15 at, you know, these floodlights. And then, you know, I mean, we'd return them. Like, you know, it wasn't an issue, you know? <laughs> so uh, so th those were some of the biggest benefits. And then, you know, just as you go, you just learn things. I mean, you, you know, clothing becomes a lot more, clothing decisions become a lot less significant. Um, so, you know, wardrobe just becomes easier. Um, I remember um, one day we ran out of fake blood, so we used um, chocolate syrup. Um, you know, it just kind of opens up a lot of things. And um, I don't think we would have done it the other way around. Like if it was just a production, I, I think we would have been maybe a little bit scared about that. But because we had kind of thought there was all these creative benefits, we we had felt really confident, like, okay, I think we can we can do this. And then it'll just make our lives easier as well. So then what is the time frame? Because it took a, a couple years of, of honing your skills of writing. And then I'm looking at maybe like three years until Empathy Inc. comes, two, three years until Empathy Inc. comes out. Is that all pre-production? Yeah. So, so I think about, um, I think it took us, I would say, you know, after jammed, I, I felt, I, I felt we started really becoming confident in story in story. Um, it about, it probably took us about a, maybe two years even after jammed. And then, then we had really started developing ideas. Um, we, we had decided also one of the big decisions th that we had learned cause, cause we were like, I should say we, we were after jammed, we were very determined, uh, to, to go at it again. We, we wanted to take everything we had learned. We just thought we learned so much that we were like, we really want to do this again. We don't want this to be, you know, the, the only film we make in our lives. And even if we make a film and it makes no money, it will be worth it because we will have, we will have been able to put, you know, to, to take what we had learned. So we were always really kind of talking about, okay, well, what's the next project? But it really kind of took two years to get to a point where our ideas, not even scripts, but just the concepts were, were getting they were getting more sophisticated and then they would eventually get to a place where, where people, you know, you'd read it and you'd say, I want to make that, you know? Um, and, uh, or you'd share it with a friend, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And in, you know, two or three sentences, they'd say, Oh, that's awesome. You should totally do that. That I think took about two years and, um, from, from jam. And so, um, so then, then what we got, once we had kind of gotten to there, um, then it was about, trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we now take a good idea and, and how do we do it on kind of with the resources that we're going to have? And that, and that I think it took about maybe four, four to six months. Every day, basically what happened was Mark and I would send each other ideas. We basically, every day we said, all right, uh, come up with three ideas every day. And then, you know, maybe every Thursday or so we, we would get on the phone and we just, we talk, all right, here's the idea I had. This is, uh, this is, I don't like this idea, but, but it has this element. What do you think about that? We just kind of talk our ideas out. And eventually Mark had come up with an idea. He had sent, he had been trying to take, basically he, he had been, he, he, he said, you know, I, I really want to crack this idea of characters playing multiple characters. I don't want to give any spoilers. So you know what that means, but he said, if I, if I can crack that, then, then we won't have to worry about VFX or anything like that. We just have to worry about performances. So he was like really into this idea. And I was actually very skeptical. I said, I don't know. It just sounds complicated. So he had sent a couple ideas like that and that, that had kind of that element. And it wasn't working, but we, we talked it out. And we were like, well, that doesn't work because of this reason. That doesn't work. Can you try to think this way? And then Mark sent this idea. And it just, it clicked. It was like, it was fun. It was in the, in the five sentences that he said, 
it just it read really well and you were kind of like tense just from reading this paragraph and and we were like all right that that's it and and so after that we had started outlining and um we before we wrote we we really didn't want to get into the business of writing a script until we really were like totally on the same page about the structure and then we did that for about maybe six months and then um and then we got together and we wrote the script and we wrote it actually in like two weeks because once we once we had done kind of all that work it was very easy to write um and uh you know and 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 we had made kind of incremental changes i mean into as we were getting into production but but those were incremental the the real body of the script was done by that two-week point and um yeah and then we spent about three months on pre-production and then we went to production in uh, 2017, January, February, 2017. Okay. So then, um, so basically, sorry, was, are, are both films at this point, are they both self-financed? Um, so the first film was self-financed and the second film we had kind of friends and family pitch in. Um, it wasn't a lot of money still, but it was, um, Bigger budget. you know, it was just li- little increments. Yeah. Little increment, you know, little amounts from, from, um, you know, grandparents, little amounts from my best yeah. friend, you know, things like that. And we just kind of pulled it together. But I will say that we were just smarter. I mean, we, we just we had learned so much throughout that time. And we're really just kind of trying to stay focused and and trying to say, you know, no, we're going to make another film. We're going to make another film. You know, so we had uh, I think all of that had kind of just and, and the planning had kind of given us a lot more output for, for our budget. It's clearly a film to me. I mean, I only saw the trailer of Jammed, um, but but judging from what I've seen, uh, you know, and I, obviously I saw all of Empathy Inc. It was great. Um, Empathy Inc. It seems that lighting, location, uh, you know, scenery, everything plays a much larger role. Um, so so then, what is the difference behind the scenes in terms of uh, production of Jammed and now going into Empathy? Well, I mean, I think all of it is a, is a product of, of the writing, really. Um, because after you have that, then it's just about finding people who are interested in working with you. And I think I think it's always, by, I mean, with Jammed, it was like, you know, it, there, there were some things there that were that were fun. You know, there were things there that were exciting. But it would, it would be, you know, it could be hit or miss. I mean, most people, if you ask them if they want to make a movie, they'll say they want to make a movie. You know, so they're, they're pretty much game. But, you know, there would be people that we send it to and they wouldn't like it, you know, and, we, and it was like or they just wouldn't respond. You know, with empathy, I think the, 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 there was so much good, there was so much more there in the, in the writing. Uh, there was themes, you know, re- really interesting themes that we, we were all excited about. Um, there was a very there was there was structure. There was you know, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot. There was all these things that even if you didn't necessarily get sold on one, you, you were kind of on board for the other reasons. And so I think it also just allowed us to to, you know, people that we we just we just were like we're fans of their work. We're willing to come on board and willing to kind of and they said, no, no, I want to make this, you know. So we just got really lucky, I think, from the production standpoint or, or I don't know if it's it's I, don't, I mean, I actually don't want to say luck because I think that they, they saw something that we saw and then they want and then they were then they wanted to be involved. These and are I, crew members that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, crew members. And I also mean cast. Because um, really good actors do, if they see a project and it's, you know, and, and we're not, you know, we're not a big film and we're not, you know, we don't pay a lot. You know, we, we pay what we can pay, but they, and so, you know, and, to, and for working actors, I should say, you know, they, they have, they, they treat, you know, they, they also, they need to worry about, you know, how they make money. 
And uh, so to, to, to work on a small project like this where they're not where they wouldn't be making a lot, but they could be doing something that they made much more money in to take six weeks out or two months out of their of their year, you know, is a significant commitment. And so uh, I think we got access to a really great talent uh, because we had kind of really had something on the on the on the story level that was was attractive. And I, and I think that's what you're that's what you're seeing. The product of is a lot of people deciding they wanted to work on something um, and put a lot of work into it. And that's why it, I think, feels much bigger. We had scheduled, uh, like I was saying, pretty aggressively for this film. And, you know, every day every, we knew exactly what shots we needed. Fine. For when it came to post, we had kind of said, oh, we'll do it in three months. And that was coming off because in Jammed, we kind of, we didn't have any lives. So like, we didn't have like girlfriends, like we didn't have, we didn't have anything. And we just, all we did was sit down and edit the film. And, um, and that, and that's just like, we had thought like, okay, and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do the same here and it'll be done in three months. We, we were so wrong. We were so completely off. First of all, on this film, we had shot like, and we didn't even realize it, but we had shot in like five times more footage than we shot on Jam. So there was just way more to go through. And the other thing is like, we also just had lives. Like, you know, I was married, like Mark was married. Like, it was just like a lot, you know? So what we had decided, we, we oh, now the other thing was we were also under budget on the production side. Josh had figured out how to save a bunch of money in, in each department. So we had like extra cash. We were like, and so, you know, we were like, let, let's, let's basically take this opportunity and let's try to get a, a, an editor that we really want to work with. whose name was Shira Arad. I had been watching her stuff for a while. She's a, a, a really, um, she's like a well-known Israeli um, editor. And, um, we had kind of had the opportunity. She was living in New York. We were like, let's work with an editor and, um, let's have like an extra hand in this. And, uh, you know, the way that, the way that she likes to work is that she, she kind of, uh, together you, we, I mean, in the beginning we sat down together and we picked the takes that we like. we kind of got through that first pass of just deciding what the footage was. And then she does, she'll do an assembly. She'll work on it for a little bit. She'll do, sometimes she did a couple versions. Then I'd come in, we'd spend a couple days going through it, deciding what we liked, deciding what we didn't like. But, you know, some combination of working on her own and then, kind of, you know, so she can have time to think and then working together and just trying to figure out what's best. Um, and that was kind of the process we did. That took like eight months. Okay. Just that process. Um, then Shira had kind of, she had to kind of work on another project, um, that would, that was kind of, that she had had responsibilities to before she started working with us. So she kind of went away and Mark and I started kind of focusing on it because it was the edit still wasn't where any of us really wanted it. And so that probably took another two months of just Mark and me editing it and Josh would put it, it would have input. And, but then we had spent about two months kind of then refining that cut. And then we had decided, and then we had, we had kind of gotten it to a point where we liked it. And we thought it. We thought it was good. We shown it to some friends. We we thought that we, they had liked it. We thought there were a couple issues, but we thought like the music and 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 uh, the like the mix was going to solve those issues. Mm -hmm. So we moved forward with the mix and the and the uh, and the music, and um, worked with Omri Angel. He he did both of those, and we and then so I worked with Omri for about three months more, just doing that. And then we had realized that there were still issues with the cut because it got to a place where it was it, those things were those things that we thought were issues were getting solved, but you still watch it and and things were not right. So we kind of just went back, and I we, I remember basically the way it happened was Shira and I got together 
we had breakfast one day. She was back in New York. And I said, I'm really not happy. And she said, I think that there are issues. I think this is an issue. This is an issue. And I said, I think this is an issue. This is an issue. We were not on the same page. And I, I call, and she said, all right, well, what if we kind of go back together and we edit? At this point, we had zero money. We were like negative money. Mark and I were putting, Mark, Josh and I were putting in money at this point, you know, on our own. And, and the, the reason for doing it was becoming less and less clear. Um, because as we were, you know, we were sending it to festivals, we were getting rejected. It was like very demoralizing. But we were like, we got to move forward. We got to just make it the best we can. We don't want to look back on this and say, why the hell didn't we put more time into it? So I called Mark and I said, uh, maybe we have to just forget all the work that Omri did. Maybe we just have to go back into the edit. And may maybe he's right. Let's maybe we need to do more, you know, hire another editor. Maybe we need to hire Shearer again, you know. And he was like, no, you know, fuck you. You need to figure out this problem. If you have a problem, you need to, he kind of gave me the, the hard talk. He said, if there's a problem, you need to know what the problem is before anybody's touching anything. And then if you know the problem, then maybe we can talk about investing more money and, and figuring out a way to get that to happen. So, I, and, and I thought, you know, he was right. So I remember, so I, after that conversation, I was in such a bad mood. I went home, I put down the shades in my, in my apartment. I, I closed, you know, I closed all the lights. I put, I have a projector in my, in my living room. I put down the projector. I put it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to pretend like I've never even heard of this movie and I'm coming into a theater for the first time. And what, what experience am I going to have? And I started the movie and I just tried to pretend like I know nothing. And I watched the movie through, I, I shut off my phones. I shut off everything. I just watching the movie. And I was like, okay. And I called Mark. I'm like, here's where the problems are. I'm like, in this scene, I'm bored in this scene, I'm bored. And in this other scene, I, I just, I'm not, I don't even know why it's there. Let's just get rid of all of it. And we cut off, I would like to say, maybe seven minutes. And uh, it was just cuts. It was no redoing anything. It was just cutting. And it, and it was like the things also that, that were mentioned, the, the things that we never wanted to cut, that we were like, oh, we need it. And it was like, you realize, I mean, you, you always, I think, want to be even, and any filmmaker, I think, doesn't want to, I mean, I think the, the cliche is that filmmakers don't want to let go. But I, I don't think that's true. From my experience, filmmakers are very happy to cut. They just, they can't cut things that they know are important. And uh, so it was one of these moments where it was like, okay, uh, actually, I think we can cut it. And it won't have this element of the story that we wanted, but we will gain so much more. And, um, and so we had cut that and I think after that it played a lot better and um and then I think everything in the music department started to click into place as well I mean we were having some struggles there and that's kind of why we had talked about the edit but those things kind of went away everything started to make sense uh for Omri and um that was really when when we were I think I think that's when we felt okay we have a movie here that's fantastic. And and actually, you mentioned earlier, going back a little bit, about how um, festivals were rejecting. But I've heard that, like, there's a certain time cap between, like, if your film is made by this month or of this year, you know, that's the cutoff to when it wouldn't be accepted. So how long were you guys in the actual festival submission circuit for overall? You know, I, I think that we, we had felt that we were, we had thought that... Um, you know, people are going to see this and they're going to see and they're going to they're going to think, you know, they're going to see it as as this kind of low budget movie. And they're but they're going to see it as like an evolution on pie and on, you know, on on all these other films that, you know, kind of are the same genre and following or whatever. And they're going to they're going to say, oh, we, we got to support this film. You know, we were extremely silly about how we thought about it. We just thought that festivals are there to support filmmakers. Um, and uh, and so we submitted it very early. 
And it was a complete mistake because also I don't think any of these festivals, you know, they say they accept rough cuts. Maybe they do. Maybe they just didn't like empathy. But I, I think what's more likely is that they accept rough cuts of films that have big stars in them. And uh, they and I think often, by the way, they accept them before they're even in the editing room, because those films they know are going to um, they're going to do well at their festival. You know, th those are big films. They're going to have a lot of publicity behind them. I don't think they accept rough cuts from films of our size or, or from films that don't have those kind of big, big assets like big stars. Um, and I think that what we would probably would have done better is to just not submit anywhere. And only when it was at a cut that we thought was ready to go, ready to see, to then submit it. Um, it really only started to crystallize for me until someone who had made a film um, was taught. We were, we, so, someone had set us up and said, Hey, talk to him. He had gotten into a bunch of festivals and I think he's a good person to talk to. And he had said, um, he had said, here's what festivals care about. They care about the same things that theaters care about. They care about butts and seats. And if your film is going to get that attention, then you're good. But if it's not, and if it doesn't have, you know, um, you know, some huge stars in it, then you, then you're just, th th what, what do they have to believe that they're going to, that you're going to be able to create that kind of buzz. And I think it's really true. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to think about it. I mean, I think it's a very cruel way to think about it. And I think also, I think festivals sometimes do, I mean, I think festivals want to support filmmakers, but I think that they're just in this position where they also have to worry, especially the big ones have to worry about press and they have to worry about the same things everyone else has to worry about. So, um, I think when that had happened, when he had explained that to me, it was kind of hard to hear, but, but it had kind of understood what bar we needed to be at. And um, it had, in a way, opened up other opportunities because we started looking at other festivals, not just, you know, the big five or whatever that we were kind of hung up on or that I was kind of hung up on. But we had started to look at other ones that were, were really special. Um, and, and it was uh, we had basically um, Josh Goldblum, who's one of the, the heads of uh, Cinepocalypse, which is a really interesting genre festival in Chicago. Um, he had we he had seen it at the, around that same time that I was kind of kind of understanding where we were in this place in this market, and he really advocated for it. He's like, I really want you to play here, and he was he was like, I am going to really set you up with with press. I'm really going to introduce you to people. You're going to get really in, interesting reviews. I'm telling you, the people who go to my festival are going to love this film, and he had kind of advocated for it, and um, that was when I think things started to feel like they were moving again. The big thing that I would do is finish the film. And, you know, it, it sucks because you're sitting around for, for six months to a year and you don't know what to do with your life. But, um, but you know, it's, it's just what it is. I mean, people don't accept. I mean, it, it, yeah, if, you're, if it's not done, it's, it's not really screenable. And uh, or I think that's at least, you know, if you get in, great. But I think it, you kind of have to take that, that approach. Uh, or at least I think it's the healthiest one to take. Um, so, so to me, I think the biggest thing is I, I would just try to just finish it and bite the bullet and, and do what I have to do to get through it. And, and then, and then start the submission process only when, you know, I and the other producers are, are really proud of it. It, it sounds like, uh, what you experienced too, was just, just to, uh, go off on that is what we've talked about with the podcast. Is what we, I've experienced, experienced with, uh, some, some of my projects. projects. Is, is that, that you know at the beginning you want to appeal to the masses, uh, or you just generally want to put, put a, a piece of art out there for everyone to enjoy, and, and eventually you start to realize that you have a target audience, and that's something that becomes you know its own strength. Um, and then so moving forward, is that something that you think about while uh, conceptualizing? I had met with with a director, a TV director, who who I 
I don't remember exactly how we met, but we just, oh, a couple of years ago we had met and he was, he's a very sweet guy and he took me out to lunch a couple of times. And so I said, you know, when I was going through this and I, I wanted advice from someone at least a little bit more on the inside than me, I, I reached out to him and he said, yeah, let, let's, you know, let's get lunch. And he had, he had pointed out something to me that, that I still think about a lot. He had said, do you know how many people wa- watch Johnny Carson? Like what percent of the population I watched Johnny Carson um, at his height? And I was like, no, I'm like, I don't know, 30%. He's like, 2%. 2% of the population like Johnny Carson, that they'd watch him every night. He's like, you don't need a big audience. You just need an audience. And and it really made me think. And I think that, um, I think it's really good advice. You don't need a massive group. But if you have a small one that's actually committed, they they write stuff about the film. They, they you know, they, they try to spread the word. And they, they advocate for you, basically. And um, he, he had actually given me the advice also to go to Cinepocalypse. He had said, if, if this guy, Goldblum, likes your film, chances are he represents an audience of people who will also like your film. And that is what you're, that's what you're after. And I think that that's, um, I mean, I think in this world where you don't really, you know, there's so many unknowns, I think it's, it's at least a strategy that you can hold on to and, and, and keep you sane while you're trying to get stuff out there. Yeah, it gives you direction, and also, yeah, it's when, when you're talking about star power, it seems like that's a lot of thing that distribu- distributors talk about, uh, producers talk about, for obvious reasons. Star power is what gets you the, gen- the general audience into the seats. But at the same time, I think of a lot of uh, more avant filmmakers like Harmony Corrine or uh, you know Lars von Trier, who even when they get the star power, they get that general audience in the seat, but the general audience still hates those movies. While like you, you know what I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. I think when you're working with a nit with with a niche audience and you can kind of focus, it gives you direction. It gives you, uh, you know, sort of a motive to to go from point A to point B and get those people in the seats, and therefore you have a much more positive, maybe smaller but stronger sort of uh, base. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think also like um, there were a lot of like I know with Stanley Kubrick, you know, he he didn't have mainstream success. Um, for, for like actually like a bunch of years, I mean, for like 15 years into his film career, he didn't really have mainstream success, but he had like this New York audience that was like, and it was like slowly getting built bigger. Um, and then in, until one day, you know, he had made a movie that, that did very, I mean, I think maybe Lolita or whatever it was, but like he had just made, he had made a movie that, that eventually that, that enough kind of conversation around him, I guess had happened, you know, where, where it kind of, where then when he had a mainstream movie, it kind of just pushed, um, yeah, so I, I guess I like to think that that when you build that audience and it and it grows to a point to a certain point, then you can you know you can take this unique style that you have and put it into mainstream because it just has at least that support. You know, it's like in I guess in a way it's almost like redu- it's for the distributor standpoint it reduces your risk because like all right you know at the very least we know we'll make them you know they have an audience so at least we'll make the money on the audience you know. And I think that that's kind of like what allows you to take on bigger things. But but yeah, I, I mean, I think what you're saying is true too. Like, you could you can also just cater to that audience and just become stronger from it. It seems like you're you're. It's exciting to see the trajectory of your work. It seems you're very strategic in um in in what you're doing in your career, which is obviously good. It's been working out for you. What is uh what what's your expectations for the future? What's your next move? Um. Well, right now, look, right now we're very focused on, on, on empathy's release. Um, and, uh, it's just taken, you know, it takes a lot of time, you know, just to do different things, um, to just make sure kind of just to help it kind of find an audience. Um, but 
you know, uh, we, we think that this, this area, uh, of, um, I mean, people have been calling it kind of like the black mirror kind of area, but, but we, we see it, you know, slightly differently where we just like this area of kind of high concept stuff. That's, that's going to be a commentary on kind of rich themes that we like to explore dealing with morality, th- things that we kind of get excited about. Um, we really like that area right now. And, and I think that we, the, a lot of the concepts that we have now are, are kind of playing with that. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to, they're kind of, they're a little too rough, I think to share, but uh, I, I'm excited about them. I think they're, they're more, I think in some ways they're, they're more exciting and uh, I'm looking kind of forward to, to kind of working on them again. Our target audience is people that really want to make movies and just don't, you know, just trying to figure it out or maybe have made movies and still are trying to figure it out as we all are. Uh, what, do you have any last words for for those guys and girls? I think I think it, it, there's just one thing I've learned. It, it's it's story, and I don't and you know I don't even mean script, but I mean just story and and structure. And um, I, I think there's a lot of successful filmmakers that don't do it, um, but I think that for for us, it's been a really amazing tool, a really helpful tool to make stuff that we're that you know we are excited about and excited to make. So I would say you know. Um, that even if, if you're not, or if you don't feel like you're a writer, um, it would still be a good thing to think about and to focus on. Well, I could expand on that real quick. Is When you say structure, is it just find a structure that works for you, or is there a specific structure that you follow? Maybe we're unoriginal in this way, but we, we really like, you know, Save the Cat and that whole kind of uh, world of, 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 uh, of structure. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think any structure um, is, is, is valuable. And I, I, I actually, since making empathy, I think I've become a lot more relaxed about structure, just kind of more, I think, having a more intuitive sense of it. Um, you know, as you learn anything, you just kind of realize, you know, it's shortcomings or whatever. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think any structure is good. Um, yeah. I mean, I think also like directors tend to be, I think, misleading about structure. Like Martin Scorsese says he doesn't like structure. Um, but I think his stuff is very structured. I think we're just, you know, these are semantics. I mean, I think, um, I think any anything that is telling the story in a way that you know people are familiar with the beats or people um, know the beats and then you can mess with the beat, you know, th- those are um, I think those are what make movies exciting. So um, and make people want to still watch. So whatever that means, if, even if it doesn't, you know, even if you have a different way of understanding it, you know, if it has that, I think that's really really valuable. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me. Hey, yes. yeah, Jed, thank, thank you, you for man. Coming on. Produced by Matt Bauer and Steve Craig. Music from freemusicarchive.com. For press opportunities, advertising inquiries, and information on the cinematic pursuit, contact cinemansteve at gmail.com.